uh, Andrew Bernard, who once said this. He said, I wish there was a way of knowing you're in the good old days when they were happening. Uh, He said this at the end of The Office, at the very last episode. And what I love about this quote is because he is this strange philosopher, but uh, it's really profound. Uh, He's speaking to this reality because we live in this everyday mundane uh, seasons of life and we're waiting for something miraculous, something exciting to happen, uh, waiting for something new to arrive, uh, never really recognizing that goodness and grace and hope and love have already actually arrived. Uh, We live looking forward uh, when this day, this mundane day, is actually quite special. And Advent is a time uh, for us to place ourselves within this moment of God's grace, his love, his hope, to realize that these days, the time and the season of life that we live in, not just uh, Christmas time with all of the music and stuff, but just these days after Jesus' first coming and as we look to his next coming, because these are uh, the good old days. I think when people are uh, surrounding the throne of Jesus, celebrating and worshiping him at the end of times, they will look back on these days and say, those were quite amazing days. When Jesus had come into the world where he had lived his life, where he had healed broken things, where he died, where he rose again, where he ascended, when the whole church waited for him to return as we sought the kingdom and lived out the power of the Spirit. And so Advent is a season of rekindling that awareness that these are the good old days. Uh, Amidst trials, uh, we get to hope. Uh, Not a hope that trials will stop, Uh, Not a hope that, you know, scientists will finally figure out, you know, what's going on around here. Uh, Not a hope that, oh, you know, we're going to figure out the best way to govern or the best way to govern uh, to create, you know, money and protect the environment. We're waiting for uh, a hope that that can actually endure trials in our lives. And this season, we're going to look at the gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke is really great. Uh, He tells the story of Jesus' birth more than any of the other gospel writers. But one of the things that he does is he gives this narrative followed by a poem or a song. So the rhythm is there's a bunch of stuff happening in people's lives, and then there's a song that one of the characters sings, and there's more narrative and then more song. It's like uh, Tolkien uh, stole his whole concept from the Bible. Uh, I told you guys a while ago that I was reading it, so it's your, I warned you then. Uh, And so this is how it works. There's a about Mary, and there's a song, which is what we're going to do, and then there's the priest Zechariah, who's waiting for his son to be born, John the Baptist, and then he uh, has a song, uh, and then there's the, the events of Jesus being born, and then the angels, a whole cloud of people, they have a song, and then Jesus uh, is taken to the temple by Mary and Joseph, and then there's just this guy who's been waiting in the temple his whole life because he's been waiting for the Messiah to come. And when he sees Jesus brought into the temple, uh, he has a song. And so that's what we're going to do for these four weeks of Advent. But as I said, uh, we're going to start with uh, Mary. And through all of this season, we're going to uh, hopefully be awakened into that practice of singing. Uh, These songs and these poems uh, will, will bring us into an awareness that this is the time. This is a wonderful uh, season that we live in where we get to participate in God's mission in this place. And so with Mary, we'll, we'll read Luke chapter 1, 
26 to 56, and Evie with an E is going to do it for us. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and it will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Mm. Thanks, Evie. Before I have uh, Danielle and Sarah and Evie share, share more uh, about this passage and how uh, they've been able to, to actually live out this beautiful song of Mary. Uh, th- these three things. The first one is, is that Mary rejoices uh, because God has considered God her, that God uh, had an awareness of her existence, and isn't that just the truth about all of life? That, that what, what swells says, I just want to worship and magnify and rejoice in God, Uh, she's doing it because she becomes aware that God sees her and knows that she exists. 
and, and cares to see her brought into uh, not just uh, a good reality with God, but brought into being a full participant in God's mission in the world. Because God's decided to think about her, to ponder her, to make her his servant for the redeeming of the whole world, she worships God. Which I think is just a real different kind of way that we normally might approach God in just even cultural terms. We might think, oh, well, we want to... Uh, we want to worship God because he's brought us really good things. I mean, I think Thanksgiving is a really great holiday, and it was funny, I was looking for a psalm for Thanksgiving, and I got a hole on Google uh, because, you know, I went to seminary, but Google's still more powerful. Uh, and on Google, it's amazing, there's just this whole list of, uh, you know, Thanksgiving prayers that you can give. And I imagine people frantically trying to come up with something because they're afraid their uncle or their dad is going to ask them to say the blessing. And so they're like, I want to have something ready uh, when that happens. I think that's really good that we thank God for all the things that he's given us and done for us. But she starts by thanking God because he's bringing her into service for the kingdom. Then the second thing is, is that Mary declares his mercy and his compassion that just keeps coming, that God has done mercy, compassion, and justice for generation after generation, that it's part of what he's doing. Even when it seems like the dream of a restored world was trampled when the people were sent to exile, or even when famine struck, or when the hard times hit, she's declaring in this song, God has always been faithful, always been moving. And so while it's this big special thing that Jesus is entering the world, that's like, wow, never happened before. God's heart and his faithfulness and his compassion and his justice has been steady and happening, even when it doesn't seem like it. And then she sings that God is faithful to complete all of the work that he started, all of the things that he promised. He's faithful to be with his people, that he's never forgetting, that he's and when we can't see it. And that's what this woman shouts and sorry, sings. It's her poem that she kind of writes, her prayer in response to God saying, there's this unseen thing happening in you, which is God coming into the world. Uh, and I've asked uh, these ladies specifically to share uh, because these are great ideas. These three things, they're great. I could have preached for like 40 minutes on all of these things and y'all would have walked out saying, those are some really great ideas, Brad. That's really lovely. Uh, but what we really, I long for us to do is see these concepts uh, touch the ground in our lives. And I believe that uh, these things really touched, uh, like these concepts of God's faithfulness, his presence, worshiping God for considering us. Uh, Evie, Sarah, and Danielle have really embodied close. I believe that they are Marys among us, even in this past year, as they've welcomed children into uh, their lives. And I think there's something about that that we can really learn from. And so, yeah, we should all be following their example. And so I want them to, to share this morning. And so, Evie, we'll start with you, and then Danielle and Sarah. Okay, hi, I'm Evie, and um, just a little backstory. So our angel coming to us to let us know about a baby was in the form of a social worker giving us a call on a Friday, informing us that our youngest son, Matthew, who we adopted through foster care, had a, a new biological brother who was in the NICU. 
and asking us if we had room in our home for him um, and giving us 48 hours to decide. And um, so we had known this was a possibility. We had hoped it wouldn't be. We had hoped that um, their mother, if there was another baby, would be able to take care of them. Um, But we knew that this could happen. And so we had chosen to keep room in our home for that. Um, We had chosen not to have another biological kid, even if we could have, who knows. Um, But uh, in order to keep room for this possibility. And yet, the fact of the matter is, when we got this call, we did not want another child. We were very happy. We had just bought a house. We had just moved into this house. Um, Our three kiddos had finally gotten to an age where, like, we truly... Sorry, buddy. It's true. Where we... Um, we had finally gotten to a place where we were breathing and we hadn't breathed in a long time with, you know, at the time we had a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and a three-year-old and, um, it, it was nice and we could see our life before us and we could see what it could look like and it was good and it was comfortable, um, and more comfortable than we had been. And so when we got this call, there was no desire in us to be like, yes, Absolutely. But we prayed about it, and we knew that this was God's plan for us. And we knew for a time, for however long, that was God's plan for this child. And so um, we said yes, and he had a really, really, really rough start. So from the time that we got a call for him, it was six weeks later that he was actually allowed to come home to us. Um, He spent two months in the NICU. He was not well. Um, When he came home to us, he didn't sleep well. He didn't eat well. It was very, very difficult. And he's been with us four months now, and um, it's been really hard. Um, It's been incredibly hard. We don't sleep much. We're we're finally, in the last couple of weeks, sleeping a little more, which is exciting and good for him. Um, But we've gone through a lot of sleep deprivation, which has led to rage in my heart that I've never experienced. Like, I'm just angry a lot. I swear I'm getting to good things. Um, I'm angry a lot. I'm, it's just been really hard. I have been humbled um, to a place that I've seen my own depravity in a way that I did not know existed. Like, it's just been really, really, really hard. Um, And yet, I was asked to talk about the goodness of God today. And I was like, okay, so here we go. And so I just read this passage over and over. And I started thinking about Mary, and Ian actually really helped me make this connection that Mary probably had a plan for her life. She was engaged to a man who, from every story we see of him in the Bible, I'm pretty sure he was a kind and good man. Um, she probably had a plan, saw the, what her life was going to look like, and it was good. And then this angel comes and totally upends all of that. And her life from then on was much harder. She, it, I'm sure it started with um, the persecution from her own friends and her community. Um, she had to flee genocide to Egypt. She um, had to raise children alongside the Son of God, and that couldn't have been easy, his <laughs> sibling dynamics, I assume. Um, and ultimately, she had to watch while her child was murdered. Her life was incredibly hard. Um, And yet it was so full. 
It was so full of the literal presence of God. It was full of everyday miracles that she got to witness. It was full of beauty and God's goodness. And because she trusted God, she got to move forward in that. And she got to experience that in like the closest way anyone could have as his mother. And so I get to be aware and see the beauty and the fullness of my life because my life right now is so full. It is full of watching him improve and heal every day. It is full of me falling desperately in love with him. Um, It is full of watching my kids mature and care for him so beautifully. It is full of watching him and Matthew bond. It is full of watching Ian being like pushed to the edge of his limits and just grow and blossom and care for us so beautifully. And I have to believe that God, who called us to this, who called our family to this moment in time, and whatever future he has for us, he is going to continue that fullness and show us his beauty and his mercy and his grace because we have to trust. And right now we have to trust because it is hard and my own depravity is great, but his goodness is greater and his faith is greater and his mercy is greater. And so I praise God for that. Real emotional up here. <laughs> Trying to take some deep breaths. Be able to sing later. Okay. Um, I'm just going to stick to this so I don't just gush embarrassingly. Um, so last New Year's, Josh and I, that guy in the lobster shirt over there, <laughs> found out um, we were going to have another baby who we now know his name is Moses. And we were pretty pumped. We were equally terrified to take care of little humans, i.e. see Evie's comments earlier. Um, But the pregnancy was rather uneventful, which is a good thing, Um, except I would have these, like, four times I had them over the course of the pregnancy, these, like, like you're going in labor moments, and they would last for, like, 15 minutes, and I would be, like, at the Long Beach Aquarium or... um, at Kava in downtown Culver, and it would just come, and it would be really scary. And we didn't know if we were losing the baby or what was happening. But other than that, those four incidences, it was uh, rather uneventful. Which is, I'm mentioning that because um, that was not the case with Solomon, our firstborn. And so this is kind of the whole point of what I'm sharing is... Um, I'm not going to go into what it was like with Solomon just to say it was extremely traumatic and um, I'm still counseling through a lot of what that was like. And with Moses, the Lord redeemed the whole thing. And it matters because he taught me that he's a God of redemption, and it doesn't always happen at the time, you think. So it wasn't until I had Moses, our secondborn, and walked past the literal room where I labored for three days, where if it wasn't for modern medicine, my story would have ended in, and she died in childbirth. Um, To then be able to come out of that with another child and to just see God redeem the whole thing. 
um, even in the first 10 weeks, he's been like a champ sleeper, which is like the Lord's hand being like, I see you. And in so many other ways that only he would know um, the ways I struggled the first time that he, that he closed the loop. And, and I'm not saying that that happens all the time because there's plenty of examples where that doesn't happen. But I'm praising the Lord today um, because he showed me he really is the God of redemption. And um, that part of Mary's song, I just want to say again, because when I read it, it just, that was my, my heart when I was leaving the hospital. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Um, and I'll just end with this, that Moses was born on a Wednesday. And like the minute they roll us into the room where you're going to, you know, be for a little bit and leave, I was like, we got to get out of here by Sunday. <laughs> like, we got to be in church. We got to glorify God. Like, he did a thing. And, and, um, and it wasn't until I read Mary's song that she put words to my heart. He's to be praised, and we got to be there. And I know you can praise him anywhere, and you can play him at the UCLA Santa Monica Hospital. But it was important to me that we were here together in this community to praise and thank him for what he, for what he has done and for the example um, that we got to see his character in that. So I'll just read that again. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Amen. Um, I love how there's some like intermingling of all these stories and connections, but I think it is just so beautiful having experienced it, like pregnancy is a way to experience the miracle of life and to experience God. And so to know that a Mary just was pregnant, but then she had like a message from angels and it was a miraculous pregnancy and it's like, no wonder she bust out in song. Like, she experienced God at a whole other level that we get to experience God, but you're like, oh, God inside you, feeling God kick you. God talks to you through an angel. Like, wow, okay, I'm going to sing too. That's crazy. Um, but I'm, her heart, she was also went through really hard stuff, as Evie mentioned as well. And that's probably super overwhelming and would maybe bring you to the brink of like, am I crazy? Is this happening? But anyway, in the song, um, the verse that resonated with me um, is he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And um, yeah, it's been a season <laughs> as I'm crying already. Um, beautiful. I have healthy children. I am here again. Modern medicine, praise God. Um, we have a house, lots of things like God has been good, but it has been a lot. And not that it's like a grief Olympics or a, uh, my life, but like, um, yeah, I had three days of labor, like seven hours of pushing. There was a mistake in my C-section. Um, opposite of Danielle, I was like, I'm really good with sleeping babies, and I'm a good mom. And Sophia was like, ha, ha, ha. Like, I don't sleep, and I had to, like, walk most of the days to keep or wear my child to keep her asleep, and it was, like, really exhausting. Um, we were, we didn't really plan it out right, but we have only, like, a week of parent help, and then we're like, we're fine with two kids. That was a really dumb mistake. 
But in all of these, like, he was mindful. Um, we got stuck in O'Hare flying, don't fly American Airlines, or go through O'Hare for five hours. And he was there, and he was mindful. She screamed the whole time. Um, I missed seeing my grandpa before he died because I had a newborn in case he had emergency wisdom tooth surgery. You know, we just needed surgery when my child was a month old. Um, and just like the general newborn struggles, right? Um, I think I got diagnosed on my six-week appointment with some postpartum depression. Um, we went through, because we also were like, hey, let's have a child and let's buy and renovate a house. That's a great idea. We need more in our life. And like my son and daughter and husband have been sick for more than probably six weeks in the last six months. So we love sickness. But Jesus was there in each of those things. And um, Brad asked, like, how is he merciful? And it's like, he was there. And I saw his mercy. And he, his grace wasn't to deliver me and, like, make me feel better and fix all those things and heal the sickness. No, his mercy was that he was with me in the dark. He was with me on those two-hour walks. He was with me with a screaming baby to Grand Rapids, Michigan, that he sat with me while I got to write out something that could be read at my grandfather's funeral, that he was my daily bread, that daily manna. And it wasn't mountain high experiences. And I wasn't necessarily busting forth into song, but he was merciful because he sustained me and he continues to sustain me. And I don't know what I could do without him and his presence and his words of life and truth and love over me. Um, there was just so many reminders and just the little mercy of it. And I love verses like in Psalm 103 of like, he knows that we are dust. Like he came in as a fragile, helpless baby that spit up and pooped and like needed to be, he knows that we're fragile. And I have been very fragile these last six months and he knows that and he was with me and he met me. And that was like his beauty and it wasn't stunning or spectacular, and I don't have a song to bust out for you all, but I am here today to attest that he met me in those times, and it was super beautiful. Um, one last side moment of his mercy, too, is as I was looking at this passage, um, I love the order of it. Um, Elise, my husband's going to make fun of me. Looking at the context of the song, right? Like, you don't just be like, oh, this song is great, but like, the song came after her visit with Elizabeth. And, like, she finds out she's going to have the Son of God miraculously. Bah! Blow up your life, like Evie said. And then she goes and she visits her cousin, aunt, family member, friend, you know, Elizabeth. And then she sings. And Elizabeth, like, affirms and encourages her. And, like, my baby jumped inside of you. You are having the Son of God. This is amazing. Like, yeah, girl. And um, just like that, that's the Sarah Jane version <laughs> translation um, coming to shelves near soon. But God's mercy has been through um, the female community. Just as God was merciful to Mary to provide Elizabeth, he was merciful to me to provide a beautiful, amazing female community too that like encouraged, affirmed, served, Robin literally labored with me for hours, like 
I see Allie every day. I don't know how I would survive. Evie sent so many prayer texts. Lindsay came over literally at like 6.30 in the morning to babysit. Like, Jordan delivered cold medicine. <laughs> Mirella holds my baby. Like, the epic group chat between Danielle, Katie, and I, because we have kids the same. Like, I have been shown God's mercy through amazing female community. And I think Mary got to see that, too. And, like, I am, I could, I'll write my song. I'm writing my song. But I think that is God's mercy. Is like he created, we get to experience God's love through one another, through the beauty of that love and service. And it is beautiful and amazing. And I am beyond blessed and beyond grateful. And I have seen and experienced God's mercy. And I am so thankful. It ain't pretty, but it's beautiful and it's comforting. And he's mindful of his humble servant. so good. That's so good. Thank you all for sharing so personally and deeply and hard and beautiful things. Um, I think one of the things that we could walk away and say, oh man, I'm never gonna, you know, birth a child here, you know, and uh, and a lot of us will never birth a child, you know, it don't, doesn't matter. The modern science hasn't figured that out, you know, like for me. Uh, biology. Anyway, uh, but the truth is, is that we're all facing uh, this, this tension of God has called us. God, has, God chooses us. He looks on us before the foundations of the earth. God says, I want all of you to be in Christ and to know the power of my love and grace and to be known by me. That's what God says before even the first stone is put on this earth, before any, you know, supernova explodes and gets created. God says, I want all of them to be in Christ and to know me and for me to know them. Uh, And then we live this life that's full of struggles, as these women have described. We all have our own, and it doesn't have to be the grief Olympics, as Sarah said, too. But we all are in the midst of a world that doesn't quite match up with uh, uh, God's kingdom come and everything good and right. And then what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with God promising to uh, restore all things and us to believe that, yes, he will restore and make new every heart, every physical thing, and yet we live here uh, in this life with all sorts of struggles of things that do not seem adequate or do not seem to, to compute in the equation of God is so good, he loves us, and then there's this life that we live in with all of these struggles. I think one of the the beauties of the the narrative of Jesus being born is not only was there a promise that that Jesus would come out of Mary and enter into the world and angels would sing, and that was a really beautiful promise, but it was a promise for generations before and generations even before that. From the garden when Adam and Eve entered into shame and grief and guilt and walked away and rebelled against the living God, God comes and he says, I'm going to send someone a seed, someone from Mary is going to come and crush evil itself. Like That's how long the promise of Jesus was. Uh, generation after generation, people being in slavery, people being in bondage, famines, families being broken apart, people suffering all sorts of agony because of sin, and yet this promise becomes the final one to Mary of God is actually coming in this moment right now. 
And what that tells me is that Jesus is faithful to complete the good work that he has started in you. That there has been a good thing that's been started in you, and God will complete it. He is faithful to do all of the things to complete uh, what he initiated from long ago, even to now. Um, What these ladies have described is how we can actually trust God more and more in that tension of life, in this moment, these good old days where we're between God's first coming and his coming again. Uh, And Christmas is a season that really reminds us that this ultimate hope is something that we can trust in. Uh, Because if he's done it once and he said he's going to do it again, he's going to do it again. I mean, that's just like logic, right? If he said for hundreds of years, I'm going to send the king, and he sends the king, and then the king says, I'm going to come back, we can trust that he will come back. Uh, One of my favorite little quotes on Christmas is by this guy, J.B. Phillips. Uh, It's a longer quote, but you guys are used to that. This is what he says about it as we live in this Christmas time this year. He says, behind all of our fun and games at Christmas time, we should not try to escape a sense of awe, almost a sense of fright at what God has done. We must never allow anything to blind us to the true significance of what happened at Bethlehem so long ago. Nothing can alter the fact that we live on a visited planet. We shall be celebrating no beautiful myth, no lovely piece of traditional folklore, but solemn fact. God has been here once historically, but as millions will attest, he will come again with the same silence, the same devastating humility into any human heart ready to receive him. Uh, What do us billions of Christians on this earth testify to? We testify to the fact that God has entered this world once and anyone who is willing to receive gets Jesus also now today. Uh, And so if that's you uh, thinking about this Christmas time, you can receive that good news today that Jesus has come into your world and he will faithfully complete you into making you the righteousness of God because of everything that Jesus has done. Uh, We're going to go and we're going to take communion now. You can go with the people that you came with. Uh, There's juice and bread. Uh, This is also a time where we uh, give response, uh, even financially, where we become aware of, oh yeah, we, we, everything that we have is from God. Everything that we possess is from him, and to him we give all of our things, whether it's our time, our money, our energy, whatever it is, even all of our careers. And so this is a time to respond to all of this good news that has been shared today. Uh, And so I'm going to pray for us as we enter into that time. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for the, the power of your first coming, the power that you came to Mary and the way that Mary leads us into understanding how to participate in your kingdom. That really she in the Gospels is the first person that shows us this is how to walk. Um, even thinking about her prayer, her song, is just a perfect example of it being focused on you. Everything she says is about you and who you are and how you operate. And so as we come and we take this communion, I pray that we would be focused on uh, that this is a sign of your faithfulness, that you died and you rose again to set all of us free, uh, that we are who you say we are. Uh, Thank you, Jesus.